we are shaping our future as Church of the Lamb around one word, and the word is abide. This is mainly coming from John chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you, Jesus says there. And the main reason we want this language to shape who we are is so that everything that we do as a church begins and ends in Christ. And here's what I mean. Christ promises that when we abide in him, we will naturally bear much fruit. Meaning, when we abide in Christ, there's going to be plenty of active work done for Christ. Plenty of service done to our neighbor, for our neighbors and community in his name. But to abide in Christ also suggests not only work, but an ongoing sense of rest and wholeness in that work. Abiding in Christ is related to Jesus' call that we just heard from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who, you who are he- weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus tells us that when we follow him, we will discover deep rest. And this should cause us to ask questions if we find ourselves perpetually in a state of being worn out as people who follow Jesus. It should be, uh, it could be a stage of life. Sometimes stages of life cause us to be worn out. But it can also be that when we think we're following Jesus, we're actually following an idol of busyness or productivity or a culturally skewed version of Jesus. The word Jesus uses for rest in Matthew chapter 11 means simply to stop, to cease. And it's related to the word in the Old Testament for Sabbath. Six days you shall do your work, God said, but on the seventh you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Now, unfortunately for a lot of us as Christians today, especially if you've grown up in church, that Sabbath is negatively associated with legalistic rules. You can't play cards on that day, go to the movies, or purchase liquor. Or it's tied up in debates as to whether Christians have to follow the Old Testament law. And of course, the answer is absolutely not. We don't have to follow the law for salvation. But Christians do continue to submit their lives to the commandments of God especially those summarized in the Ten Commandments. A Sabbath happens to be the fourth of these commands and the most detailed of all of them. Curiously also, Sabbath is the only of the Ten Commandments that Christians debate the relevance of. We don't ask whether we should still follow the Sixth Commandment, do not murder, or the Seventh, do not commit adultery, and so on. What I want to begin talking about this morning, and I'm not going to finish because there's too much here, but I want to begin talking about how the wisdom of Sabbath helps us learn as followers of Jesus to abide in him. How do we begin to rest in Christ and abide in him? To begin to rest, here's something novel, we have to stop doing things. We have to cease. The meaning of Sabbath rest is developed through two Old Testament stories primarily, creation and the exodus. In creation, God works for six days creating the earth and everything in it. Then he rests. And here's something remarkable. What is the first thing to be called holy in the Bible? We know that the word holy is very important in the Bible. What's the first thing that's called holy? It's the Sabbath. 
the day for rest. God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it he ceased all the work that he had been doing in creation. What does it mean that God himself rested on the seventh day? Well, it means one, that God's not a workaholic. Two, that he's not anxious about the full functioning of the creation. And three, that the well-being of the creation does not depend on endless work. Now, you might want to debate that now that the creation is broken. But it remains true, even now. The well-being of the creation does not depend on our endless work. And this is the first place we learn about Sabbath, when we learn that God himself rests. Now, the second place we learn about Sabbath is the Exodus story. It contrasted the creation story where God rests. In Egypt, the work never ends. Pharaoh is considered a son of the gods in Egypt. And despite all his consolidation of power and wealth, he cannot allow his land to rest. He breeds a society of anxious toil. He is angry at the thought of Israel going into the wilderness to worship God because that will mean a a, a reduction in productivity in his land. So instead, he increases their workload. And those working in middle management are told to enforce nearly impossible standards. And from the few verses we heard in Exodus chapter 5, we get a sense of the culture in Egypt. People are a means to an end. They're a means to building more. But immediately after Israel is rescued from Egypt, God tells them he will give them manna six days a week. And on the sixth day, they're to gather twice as much because the seventh day is a day for solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Israel's rest, their cessation from work, would be a new act of faith on their part. In Egypt, they had become addicted to work, to productivity. They were enslaved to the idol of efficiency. But now, they're called to serve the God who provides for his people while they rest. Now, the contrast between Yahweh, the God of Israel, and the gods of Egypt is stark and intentional. Sabbath served as a picture of what people and work are really for in this world. To serve one another's well-being, not just our own. On Sabbath, the entire creation would come to a gracious halt. All human beings ceased work, the wealthy and the poor. No one was to try to get ahead on this day. The animals in the land could rest as well. And this was to be a picture of what would one day be in God's creation. A day when all people truly would be equal. When the people and the earth would be truly at rest. And work would no longer be toil. Now more than anything else. Here is what God seeks to instill through the Sabbath. The knowledge that we do not save ourselves. By ceasing to work, by bringing our physical bodies to a halt, we learn in our bodies and eventually in our souls that God is our Savior. He is the one who provides for us, physically and spiritually. So Jesus in the New Testament becomes the embodiment of this Sabbath rest. Remember that Sabbath day that his disciples rested in their grief? On that Sabbath day, that night, God raised Jesus from the dead while they rested. And if God can do that, surely he can provide for his disciples today in all the ways that we 
need to rest. Why do we need Sabbath rest in our lives? Many of us have time for leisure, for hobbies, but Sabbath trains us to rest in a different way. It doesn't mean we can't do hobbies, but we do hobbies differently when we practice Sabbath. We need Sabbath to help us to learn to abide in Christ. You know, much of leisure and rest today are not really rest. They're not oriented toward God, but they're oriented toward us. We still read the news and social media. We still think about work, even if we're not working. But in Sabbath, we orient ourselves toward God, toward doing those things that bring us life and joy for Him. Now, you know, truth be told, we have a, we're a family with three young children, and so we don't get to skip doing diapers on Sabbath days. So there, there's still life that goes on. But we are, in all the ways that we can, committing ourselves to things that bring us life and joy. You can ignore the nagging guilt about work. You can and should ignore the news cycle for a day. And as your body and your mind learn to rest, your soul can follow. And the assurance of Christ's love, his salvation, and his provision. Sabbath resting, in this way, is a foretaste of eternal life. Now, how do we begin to practice this kind of rest? Uh, Four quick things. Start setting aside time. This is the first thing God makes holy. Time. He sets aside a day. So begin setting aside a time for rest. Christ rose from the dead and set apart Sunday as a day of resurrection joy. He did the work to conquer our sin and to conquer death. We can cease from work for one day. Now, because Sundays are more of a work day for us, our family, we have Friday evening to Saturday evening as our Sabbath. We say a prayer on Friday evening, and then we have pizza and a movie to kick it off. Saturday, we try to do things that are fun for everyone. Katie and I try to provide some time for each of us to be alone. So, it it starts with you figuring out how you and your life begin to set aside time to simply stop. You too, you orient this time toward God. Use some of the time for scripture and prayer. It doesn't mean you have to do this for hours on end, but use some of it for scripture and prayer. Frame the time with prayer. Begin and end your Sabbath time with thanks to God for forgiving you of your sin, for enabling you to rest. Now three, work hard the other six days. The point of this rest is not just for rest. It's so that we can reframe our work. People who practice Sabbath live differently the other six days of the week. So the work that pays the bills or the house chores, whatever it may be, do those things on those other six days so that that one day of the week you can commit yourself to rest. And then fourth, be open to learning. Decide that you're going to begin setting aside time that you commit to God that you will cease from work and that you will trust him to take care of you. And then take it from there and figure out what works for you, for your family. Now we want to be a church that abides in Christ and bears much fruit. And rest is one of the ways that we learn to abide in him. 
So when we as a church think of our future, we want to create a physical space that represents this kind of rest. Not just a building with a parking lot, but a place that has gardens and beauty that invite our souls and the souls of people around us to rest in God. When you think of this area of our community, especially the suburbs that are continuing to grow, one of the idols of this area is busyness. To raise a family and children these days require that you have an ongoing list of activities that you involve them in. It requires a certain amount of income that has to keep rising to keep up with what you need to sustain the kind of life, the home, and all the amenities that goes with it. How much of a witness would it be for a church to provide a place that is for rest? Come to this God and you will find rest for your soul. Now, in a minute, we're going to move to the Eucharist meal. And this is another place that Christ invites us into his rest. This is a meal that we can't earn. No amount of money can purchase it. We can't work for it. It's given to us in love. And in receiving it, we learn to abide and rest in Jesus. And so when you come to this meal in a few moments, remember that Christ has called you to come to him. And in this meal, you do. You approach Christ who is giving himself to you in bread and wine. And in that bread and wine, Jesus is saying to you, I'm giving you my rest. There's no longer any need for you to work for anything to earn my love. Abide in my love. This is what I'm giving to you. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.